Hello and welcome to Burn Sessions. This is our third episode. You know, three is a really important number. I don't know if you know that. Today I'm joined by Jordan. We have a room full of people and we share some exciting bits of like historical information about the Jesus movement. We're going to talk about Keith Green and just a number of things. So uh, I really think you're going to be provoked and encouraged. Also, towards the end, we kind of get excited a little bit and talk about what we feel is to come. And we're going to go into more detail about that later. Uh, If you would like to support this podcast, you can do so by going to anchor.fm forward slash burn sessions. You can give right there to our anchor podcast, or you can go to our website at thefurnacemovement.com. Thank you for listening in. Uh, Make sure you subscribe, share it with your friends and family. We're going to have some fun today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Burn Sessions. We are back for, I guess, is this episode three, Jordan? Yes, yes, it is. It is. It is because we did one a few weeks ago. That's right. And and as y'all can hear, yes, Jordan Welch is joining me today. We actually have a few people here, but just a couple of us on the microphone. We got Mr. Matthew Pennington, video extraordinaire, and actually we just finished um, shooting a video. Jordan singing a song she wrote that was just incredible, and that'll go up. It will probably be up before this podcast is up. I don't know. We'll release them at the same time. Then we got Nick Bedsell over here, who now likes to go by Nikolai, and so glad to have you here, <laughs> Nikolai. And we also have Lily Welch here. And uh, so, man, we're going to have some fun today, Jordan. Anything you want to say before we get rolling? No, I just think we should go. Let's just go. We are going to G-E-A-U-X. We're going to go. Um, Well, what an incredible season of life in this global pandemic of the era of lockdown, quarantine, social distancing. I guess we're all breaking the social distancing rule. No, we're not. There's less than 10 people. less than 10. Now, I'm not supposed to be in Louisiana. Well, you're not. <laughs> well, yes, you are. I am. I'm in Louisiana. <laughs> okay. As long as I just don't go back to Texas, I'm good. That's right. You may not go back. Who knows? <laughs> uh, today, we're going to have some fun. We're going to do some things a little bit different here. And uh, I'm going to be going through this stack, Jordan. And anytime you want me to, you can stop. We can make a comment. I just want to share something with you that's so cool. I feel like um, there are. It's so easy to focus on where we are right now that we can kind of forget some things from past generations where the Lord's just raised different people up, used different people. And and I wanted to share about a, a just a really cool story of something that happened with me uh, involving, kind of involving Keith Green. Now, I know you don't know Keith that well. Do not. Which disappoints me. Actually at all. Like I want to talk to your daddy about this. But <laughs> you may not know him that well either. But for those of you who are listening, many of you who are probably in your 30s on up, surely you have heard of the prophet warrior, Keith Green. Now, Jordan, Keith was a wild man. So I'm just going to kind of give you a little, uh, you know, history of who Keith Green was. So imagine this is 
the Jesus movement. Now, I don't even know if you've heard much about the Jesus movement in the late 60s, early 70s. Have you heard about it? Do you know much about it? Not much. We're going to talk about that real soon. Here's why I love the Jesus movement is because it was just straight Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. And they don't really know where it began, though, Jordan. They, they, there's no one, there's not one leader who you can say, oh, this was the catalyst, but there were quite a few catalysts to that movement. And for some reason, God chooses to partner with, with mankind, with hungry men and women. I, I love it when you think about um, Ezekiel twenty two thirty. I believe that's it, where it says that God says, I sought for a man who would pray, who would stand in the gap, make up a breach, so I would not send judgment. But he says, but I found the one. But God was looking for someone, Second Chronicles 69, for the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong to a person whose heart is perfect towards. So God is looking for someone that he can partner with. When it came to the Jesus movement, the Jesus era, there are all these hungry people who are just ready. Jesus. Jesus shows up. But there was a man named Arthur Blessed, and he went, he was from, he's from Mississippi, and he felt led to go try to reach some of the hippies and some of the people in California. So he goes to Sunset Boulevard. This is like in the late 60s, and he opens up a coffee shop. And it was a Christian coffee shop. So in the coffee shop, there was a cross. And a man comes in towards the end of one of his work days, looks at the cross and says, um, you know, if you really want to make a difference, you'd get that cross off that wall and get it out in the streets. And the man turned around and left. Never saw him again. Arthur turns and looks up there, and he sees the cross on the wall, and something just comes over him. He gets up there, takes the wall, uh, the cross off the wall, walks outside on Sunset Boulevard and starts walking down the street. And he tells himself, I'm just going to walk on down here. I'm going to go to this. There's a park down there. When he shows up at the park, there's about 200 people that are around him. And, and some say that that could have been one of the catalysts because there are several of them. And now Arthur Blessed has carried the cross in every single country. All over. I don't know if you've heard about a man carrying the cross, but but he, that's where that came from. That's Arthur Blessed. And so the Jesus movement was so powerful that God raised these people. They came up out of nowhere, and they were just wild. And I'm, my heart is longing for and hungry to see another Jesus movement where Jesus obviously gets the glory. Songs are very simplistic, like GCD, and they're like, Jesus loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd sing it, and then mobs of people would get saved. Crazy. So Keith Green was 21 years old a phenomenal musician and played at a cafe in California called the blah, blah cafe. And it would have different people come in and perform. He also, I believe tried out for Kurt Von Trapp um, from the sound of music and actually maybe played in one of the things he was signed on the deck of records when I think when he was seven years old. So he was a prodigy. So at the age of 21, he was searching, wandering. He, uh, I think he was living with his girlfriend, Melody, and they, uh, but he was on a search for truth and he had this journal. It's just, it was so powerful as he's sharing his own personal journey, searching for who the Messiah is, who Jesus is. He was studying Eastern religions. And at the age of 21, he put his faith in Christ, 21 years old. He died in a plane crash. Do you know how old he was when he died in the plane crash? You don't, you've, don't, told, you've told me, you told me downstairs and I can't remember. He was 28 years old. Keith Green came to Christ at the age of 21. Died at 28. So Winky Prattney said this. 
it was either Winky or Leonard Ravenhill. I believe it was Winky Pratt, and he said that Keith did more in seven years than a vast majority of Christians will do in, in a, a lifetime. lifetime. Yeah. And now the older I get, when I look back, when I was younger, it didn't mean as much. But now I go, my goodness, he was like a burning flame. I'm 24, so I'm yes. four years old. And, and imagine All coming that, to Christ yeah. three years ago, and you have no real... He was Jewish, raised Jewish, but not really religious. And the world turns upside down. So he started taking in the homeless right there in, in, in California. He married Melody, and they opened up their home, and they, got, they started buying houses, and they, they, they couldn't fit everybody in. So, hey, if you're joining us, by the way, for Burn Sessions, this is straight up burning today. I'm just going to be talking about some different people of God that have been used to do wonderful things because God can use you also. And I don't know about you, but I'm hungry. Jordan, I'm hungry. I want to be used by God. Um, I, I am jealous in this. There's a part of me that says, Lord, don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. So I'll absolutely be selfish in that, that, that I want to be used by God. I want to be available for him. So Keith and Melody started buying up so many different properties. It was very expensive, and they heard there was a place in Texas that they could buy cheaper. So they moved outside of Tyler, Texas, to an area called Lindell, Texas. Yep, know it. You know Lindell? Yeah. They had Last Days Ministries, and they were just down the street from this man named Leonard Ravenhill. So he became an absolute zealot for the Lord, Keith Green. And so I came to cry, and he wrote a lot of articles, wrote a lot of music. He stopped charging for his concerts, and he stopped charging for a lot of his material. They had a thing called Whatever You Can Afford. It sent shockwaves through the contemporary Christian music scene at that time because everyone was charging tickets for concerts. And they're like, well, if you don't charge, then we're going to look bad for because we're charging. He says, well, you got to do what God's called you to do. I just know the conviction I have. I'm not a performer. I'm not an entertainer. Yeah. I'm a minister. And I'm not yeah. charging for the gospel. So you'd hear his albums, but then when you show up at his concert, it would be a piano. There was no band. It was him on a piano. He may sing three songs and preach for two hours and have altar calls. So uh, one famous uh, revival he had was at ORU, and it got shut down. And maybe we'll talk about that in the future. Absolutely, the leadership came and shut it down. People no started getting on their microphones and publicly repenting one man got up and was repenting of homosexuality saying uh, all kinds of things and they they just came took the mic said hey thanks for coming we've hope you've enjoyed it these are over with because it was a leader and you know a student leader in that uh the university one of the university student-led you know leaders so yeah. um powerful things were happening so uh, keith got so angry and you know back in the day that well they may still have or you has the praying hands on if you ever heard about that the big praying hands and keith uh, his first conversation with Leonard Ravenhill, he went and met and he was so angry. He says, we need to pray that those hands fall down. And Leonard laughingly said, no, no, let's not do that. They may fall on us. In other words, like humility, yeah, <laughs> humility. Yeah. even though Leonard called people out all the time. Difference between like passion and, and fire and, and like anger and bitterness. Like, yes. And, and keeping Paul, that in check. You know, Paul, the apostle talked in the epistles about People having a zeal, but not according to knowledge. Yeah. And we want to have zeal, but also have knowledge and wisdom, humility. So I came to Christ, and my parents had had a cassette tape of Keith Green. Not a cassette tape. I can't believe I just said that. So I'm 16, just came to Lord. I went and found that tape, and I would listen to it, and it was called Songs for the Shepherd. It was the album. It was all these sweet songs, nice, worshipful. And about six months goes by. And I ran to a friend, a buddy at church, and he said, have you heard of Keith Green? And I said, oh, yeah, he's like really cool guy. He's got some really sweet music. He said, sweet music? 
He says, nothing that Keith has is sweet. It's ruthless. And I went, what do you mean ruthless? He goes, he's just radical. I said, no, he's not. He's sweet. I mean, he's nice, beautiful little, you know, Jesus songs. He says, he's a zealot. And he hands me the CD. And I went home and put it on. And, and Jordan, like, to, all right, tonight I'm going to be sending you a playlist. Do you have Spotify? Mm-hmm. You are going to get some songs from Keith Green so you can listen to. You're, you're totally going to lose sleep. But no, you're not. You're going to sleep. But it's going to set you no on fire. no problem sleeping. <clears throat> awesome. Now, <laughs> Keith, so I listened to this CD. Blew me away. He had this song on there called To Obey Is Better Than Sacrifice, where he's singing as though he's Jesus talking. And he's saying, you know, basically, you know, um, um, I, you hear, you know, I hear you say that my grace is so sweet, how you, but you thrive on milk, but yet you reject my meat. He says things like, you know, you, you, if you can't come to me every day, uh, don't bother coming at all. He has a song called Here Am I, Send Me that just makes me want to go be a missionary right now. A billion starving people. I mean, it was just a powerful, he, he was really a prophet. And so I get this article that somebody loaned me. I hope I'm not boring everybody. Y'all stay locked in. We're going to have some fun here. And the article was written by Keith Green called Why You Should Go to the Mission Field. And when you open it up, he had 10 reasons why you should go to the mission field. You know what number one was? Because Jesus already told you to. Because he said, go into all the world. And then he said, if God has not called you to stay, then you're in disobedience. So he was so, I'm just saying, he was a radical. We don't have a lot of radicals today. So it rocks my world. I get to the end of the article and it says, talks about Keith, that he died in a plane crash with two of their three children. I think, and his oh, wife was pregnant with another. And so they were, I think, I believe. And so his uh, two kids, Josiah and Bethany, they got into a Cessna plane. It was overloaded. There was a missionary family. It went up and came right down and crashed. And, and I'm reading this. I'm 17 years old now, and I'm shocked because Keith was like, I, I mean, I was loving this article. I had his music now. And I'm like, that's impossible. He's, when did he die? He'd, I come to find out he, had, he died like a decade before nearly so there was an address on the back of this article that i that i'd read and it talked about melody and she was his widow running the ministry so 17 year old randy i sit down i kid you not and i wrote a um i wrote a letter to her dear mrs melody this is practically what it said basically i can recall some of it my name is randy gudo jr and i'm a new christian i heard uh, some of your husband's music and I read one of his articles why you should go to the mission field it's rocked me and I just want to say I'm so sorry that your husband passed away <laughs> it's just this innocent sweet little you know letter but thank you so much I'm praying for you and I love you and I remember like tears in my eyes I love you Miss Melody I'm, I'm talking I was so hungry for the Lord I had such an innocence three weeks later I come home and there was a box on my bed my bed and the box was from Melody Green and Last Days Ministries. And I'm like, what is this? I tear into the box. Melody wrote me a letter. Keith's widow wrote me a letter. No joke. Um, and in that box, she had a copy of every, every album that they had ever put out by Keith. So I had all of his music on CDs, which was really cool then to have CDs. Yeah. A stack of magazines from Last Days and... What you can see right here, I'm holding my hand. I wish y'all could all see it. A very large stack. A large stack of articles that Keith, uh, and not just Keith. These are articles by Keith Green, 
Melody Green, Leonard Ravenhill. Some of it was extracted from books. A.W. Tozer, Charles Finney, David Wilkerson, Fran Paris, all these, Jonathan Edwards, John uh, Charles Finney. And so as a 17-year-old, I had access to a wealth of some of the greatest writings from some of the greatest revivalists, pastors, missionaries, prayer warriors, intercessors, um, prophets at the age of 17. So I would, at night, I'd stay home and I would just, I'd pull one up and I would sit there and have buddies come over. And here's one I have in my hand right now. This was written by Keith Green and it's called Total Commitment. And it's communism versus Christianity. And it opens up with Acts 17, 6. These men who have upset the world have come here also. And he compares the radical mind. Now, you understand, I'm, I'm 17, 18, 19, even through my 20s, reading this. And he's talking about the mindset of a communist, which yeah. is you possess nothing. Yeah. You serve the cause. And then we go to modern-day Christianity. Now, he's writing this. He could have wrote this in the late 70s, early 80s. Remember, he died seven years into Christianity. Yeah. So he's writing this as a 23, 24, 25 year old. Who knows? Yeah. And I'm reading this and it's absolutely rocking my world. He's talking about the, the army of God and uh, powerful, powerful. Here's one by Charles Finney called devotion or devotions. This one right here. And I got to actually meet Winky Prattney. I think uh, the Christmas before last December before last. And it was a great time actually in Leonard Ravenhill's home. And, uh, you know, where he lived and it's called walking in darkness, trusting when you cannot see this particular track was the only one I refused to read because I remember young Randy, so full of wisdom, knowledge, <laughs> revelation. I said, walk in, in darkness, trusting when you, I'm never going to walk in darkness. I'm a child of God. And I think in my late twenties, early thirties, I was frantically trying to find this. Yeah to read what he had to say. Here's one, the the backslider in heart. I'm gonna look for one here too. It's called How to Preach Without Results. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna share some bullets off that, but hey, I've been talking the whole time. I'm look, oh, here's one I gotta just say, it's, it's awesome. You know, taking our cities for God. And that, that, that radical mindset of, man, I want to win as many people to the Lord as I can. And that's that... We were talking earlier about the fivefold ministry gift, the evangelists. They remind us yeah. that there's others. Mm -hmm. So will you be bored in heaven? The Holy Bible. Anyway, there's just so many, but I'm, I'm looking for a particular one right now. Free as a slave. Oh, yeah. Free as a slave. Wow. So while I'm talking, if you want to, you feel free to jump in. I'm literally going through possibly over 100 of these, trying to find one yeah, particular like, one. Like 150 I, of them things. I tell you what's crazy. It's look spiritual warfare. You know how many people have never, they don't yeah, know they don't anything know about it. That, it yeah. And, and can go to church their entire yeah. life. Yeah. And never hear one. Have no idea on that it. there's a spirit, there's constantly spiritual warfare going on around us constantly. Right. Here's one, George Mueller. Now, now, I, I feel like I just I feel like I wish I, we could make some of this just available to so many people. Making the Most of Your Devotions by George Mueller. Mueller was, ran the orphanages. I believe in England and had such a powerful prayer life that he never would ask a person for a need before he asked God for it and prayed in such a way that they would have food show up at the very last minute 
early, like 4 a.m., just in time to make sure all the orphans got fed. He also had journals, Jordan, and he had, it was prayer journals, and he would date the journals when the prayer was answered, and he would not take it off his list or mark it until it was answered. When he died, there were only two prayer requests in there that had not been answered, and they were both answered. One was answered within a year. The other was answered in about a decade, so I went and dated it. But do you know how many prayers he had on the in there that was dated with an answer? Take a guess. Um, in one journal? Journals. Oh. Okay. How many prayers that he prayed and an answer came and he dated it? Just take a wild guess. Um, let's go with... Oh, please don't make it too crazy. 250. 250 prayer requests? Yeah. Oh, no, keep going. Oh, seriously? Higher? Oh, yeah. 600. Nope, keep going. 700. Nope. Golly. Yeah, I hope you're lucky. It's good. Ooh, higher. 7,000. No, higher. Now, think oh about my this. Gosh. This is prayers that were answered. He wrote down, okay, so higher than 10,000. Keep going. Good. You said don't make it outrageous. <laughs> um, this is outrageous. Well, I don't know if you're going to come out there and go a million. Oh, well, you know. Uh, pro- Let's say. Think about this. One man. What did I just say? What was my last one? You said, I think, 10,000. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go with, it's one guy. Like, it can't be mm-hmm. um, 50,000. Wow. Now you're getting close. 52,000. There were over 52,000 prayer requests. No. <laughs> Answer, answered. Yes. <laughs> but then you think about this. You, heard me, you hear me talk about Leonard Ravenhill often, right? Yeah. Often. Now, now those of you who are listening, I don't know if you've heard of Leonard, and I'm close with uh, Brother David, his son, who's close to 80 years old now, tremendous man of God. Uh, you know, Leonard, since he came and went, when he was getting trained for ministry, he, his son told me this, that he always prayed at least five hours a day. Yeah. Five hours That's, a day. Now here's a, a lot couple. of hours a day. I'm still searching for this one article because it's so cool. This one's called Music or Missions. Keith wrote it. And, uh, and here's one from Bob Sorge, the heart. You ever heard of Bob Sorge? This is a man who is a worship leader. He was a pastor and lost his voice. To this day, he can only use his voice for about an hour before the pain kicks in. He can wow. use his voice for one hour a day. And it's called the heart of a worshiper. And uh, you ought to uh, go pull up a YouTube video from him where he talked about losing his voice. It, it's so powerful to have you in tears. And so I think I'm getting close. Um, Let's see. Started from the bottom. Watch, it's going to be. Right <laughs> it's going to be the there. last one. You know, I pulled some out, and I have them in a in a uh, in another place in my in my study, so that I can. I wanted to study them, and I bet it's in there too. It's probably in there. I'd be so mad as you get to the last. Mm-hmm. But here's another. One. Nope, that's it. Let me see. We're getting close. Getting close. I can feel it. Oh, this one definitely got me in trouble. What's wrong with the gospel? Part one, and there's part two. You know what part one is? <laughs> Look, by the way, it's at the, it is the bottom. Found <laughs> it. All right. He had a two-part section. This is available. It's on YouTube he, where you can watch the videos of him teaching this. What's wrong with the gospel? Part one, section one is the missing parts. Then what's wrong with the gospel? Section two is the added parts. He talks about the added part of the sinner's prayer. Um, oh man! Oh, it's, it's like they sat down and said, "Let's let's find the most controversial thing that we can and write about it." 
Yes. <laughs> Let's really upset everybody. It is. It's it got he got in so much he didn't care. He just lived for the Lord. Oh, why you shouldn't marry or date an unbeliever. Listen, if you're listening right now and you love the Lord, you got no business dating somebody who is not a believer. The Bible says not to be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. It's going to cause problems, but that's not the point of today's episode. Just a little side note. Don't do missionary dating. I'm going to bring them into the kingdom. No. All right. You ready for this? How to preach without results. I feel like I'm doing the most. Next, next, and you're, you're trying not to fall asleep right now. Though. Oh, no. No, I'm good. Okay. The I'm next good. episode, you're going to do most talking. So this is, now understand, this is 17-year-old Randy reading this. Now, Charles Finney actually wrote this, and it was called, from his book, Revivals of Religion, which I actually started reading two years before I came to Christ. That's, a, yes, another story. It's a wild story. It was a, like Holy Spirit led me to grab this book and unbelievable. So um, here's how to preach without results. How many would love to preach in such a way that things do not happen? So here's what Finney had to say. Avoid preaching doctrines that are offensive to the carnal mind lest they should say to you, as they did of Christ, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? Let's see. Avoid all illustrations, repetitions, and emphatic sentences that may compel your people to remember what you say. Um, ooh, avoid all heat and earnestness in your delivery, lest you make the impression that you really believe what you say. Um, ooh, address the emotions and not the conscience of your hearers. This is obviously like preaching this, uh, you know, to a per from your head to another person's yeah. head. Um, remember this is how to preach without results. Be careful not to testify from your own personal experience of the power of the gospel, lest you should produce the conviction upon your hearers that you have something which they need. Do not awaken uncomfortable memories by reminding your seers, your hearers of their sins. <laughs> Denounce sin in general, but make no reference to the specific sins of your present audience. Now, while I'm reading this about Charles Finney, do you know much about Charles Finney? Um, I'm not going to. No, I really don't. Okay. Finney, uh, everything that I know is from the conversations you and I have had. Where we're talking about revival and history yes. of revival. Yes. Charles Finney was a revivalist in the 1800s. Actually, he was a lawyer. I think tradition says he was about seven foot tall. So he kept reading through the Bible, and he was going to prayer meetings. And he, in his lawyer mind, he would go to the prayer meetings, listen to them talk, and listen to the way they prayed. And he started getting angry. And he, he was going back to his, his law office, reading the Bible. This is in the um, probably early 1800s, early to early mid-1800s. One day he says in the uh, prayer meeting, why do y'all keep doing what you're doing? Because it's like out of one part of your mouth, you talk about what God can do, but then you live as though nothing you're praying is he, he's actually going to do. Is this how you're supposed to pray? He comes to a point where he wrestles with God, goes into the woods for four hours, has a radical experience with God, four hours in repentance, crying out to God, uh, confessing sins until he knew that he had passed from death to life. Becomes a radical, a revivalist, starts preaching all over. And they say that in the 1800s, over 500,000 people came to Christ through his ministry. Now, here's what's crazy about his this statistic. In in his ministry, out of the 500,000 people that came to Christ, 80% of them, you were able to follow them and track their lives. They never stopped serving the Lord, 80% of them. Golly. 20%, they say, that, that yeah, fell, fell away. away. 
today in crusades, any crusade, the America the country is in America, mass services, special evangelistic campaigns. They say that 90 average of 95 to 96 percent. You can't even find them after the meeting's over with who come to Christ, who pray yeah. a prayer. So it's more than flip. That's what made him so outstanding. So when you're yeah. hearing him, you know, some of these truth bombs that he has. Let me see if we can find another really, really cool. Oh, I love this. Do not make the impression that God commands your listeners here and now to obey the truth. Do not let them think that you expect them to commit themselves right on the spot to give their hearts to God. Look, there's a lot of churches where you'll never even hear a gospel presentation and even an opportunity to make a decision right now to come to God. Yeah, I think it's interesting that when was this written? Oh, in the 1800s. Yeah, this this right here, this pamphlet right here that you're holding was written in the 1800s. This this is actually like this a is this like is a an ex- extracted from a big book that he okay, had. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that a lot of these things that it, it it I don't know. Maybe it's encouraging that even back then you're you're facing things where you may go to a, like even back then they're going to churches and they're like they're not you know yes you got to correct that that's really what he's doing. Yeah. And this is saying, hey, make sure like it's Jesus first. Yes. You know? So in other words, if you want results, do the opposite of what this is saying right here. Yeah. Yes. Um, dwell much upon their inability to obey and leave the impression that they must wait for God to change their natures. Here's one right here. Um, do, let me see here. Let me find a good one. A good, good point to not have results. Um. <laughs> make no appeals to the fears of sinners, but leave the impression that they have no reason to fear. Um, <laughs> this is so strong. Oh my goodness. This, uh, say so little of hell that your people will think that you do not believe in its existence yourself. Ooh, make the impression that if God is as good as you are, he could not send anyone oh, to wow. hell. Wow. Make no disagreeable reference to the teachings of self-denial, cross-bearing, and crucifixion to the world, lest you should convict and convert some of your church members. Man. Almost done here. Do not rebuke the worldly tendencies of the church, lest you should hurt their feelings and finally convert some of them. He was big on conversions. Um, <laughs> I'm, fast, I'm purposely passing some of these. Um, mm-hmm, I'm going to pass because that one too. too oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, make it your great aim to be personally popular with all classes oh, of your man. hearers. Um, ooh, okay. A couple more and we're just done because there's only two more aim to make your hearers pleased with themselves and pleased with you and be careful, especially not to wound the feelings of anyone. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings now. This, here, this one I really like, especially avoid preaching to those who are present. Preach about sinners, but not to them. Say they and not you, lest anyone should take your subject personally and apply it to their own life, securing the salvation of their soul. So so why won't you read some of those? Because you disagree with them or because no, they're just too strong? <laughs> too strong. And some of them are kind of, they kind of repeat, you know, yeah. what, what they're saying. And of course, even the language he's using, some of the terminology is, you know, like today we, we emphasize grace and mercy and love, yeah. which we need to emphasize that. Now, John Wesley said this in the 1700s. I think we we're talking about him earlier, the first great awakening. Mm-hmm. And he said this, that it would be unjust to preach love, mercy, and grace 
until you've preached sin, righteousness, judgment. Yeah. Because then if you don't preach sin, righteousness, judgment, then they don't understand the weight and the power of love, mercy, and, and grace. So what they would do is they would preach and begin. You know, the Bible says one of the things about uh, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, is that when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So we don't hear that teaching today. So it's, hey, listen, wherever you're at, just God loves you. God understands. God knows. But yes, because God does love you and he understands your fallen nature. He understands your weaknesses. Yeah. He understands the challenges and, and the struggle that you have. Therefore, his turn son from, went yeah. to the cross and he yeah, poured so his wrath on sin. him. Yeah, like, so the wrath was yeah. poured out. He drank the cup. He was baptized with the baptism of death so that you could find redemption and so that you could be able to be redeemed, have victory over sin, victory over the world, victory over the flesh, and understand your righteousness as a, as a child of God, yeah. redeemed. And the scary thing is, and the sad thing is to me, is, I mean, why, why would you leave that out? You know, because you're, yes. I mean, it's not, it's not the gospel. Like, you can't leave, you can't leave that out. You, right. you can't take one, and I've, I've talked to, I've talked to, had a conversations with lots of people who say, you know, I just don't believe in, okay, you know the song Reckless Love? Yeah. I mean, I love the song. I'm not, right. but they say, oh, I don't, I don't believe. I can understand that thought process. Sometimes you go, yeah, I mean, he's not, he is, he does expect you to turn from your sin and change. Yeah, he is. Yes. But he doesn't go, okay, well, I'll just accept. And I think That's we, right. I think that, man, we just, we lead people in the wrong direction. And it's sad to me how many people are, yes. are blinded they are. by, the fact that we haven't, we don't teach both sides of it sometimes. That's right. And remember Jesus, the rich young ruler, that he comes up and he says, Lord, uh, Master, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, you know, um, well, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's what yep. he says. And he says, you know the law. And he tells him certain aspects of it, mm-hmm. you know. And the man said, I've kept all these from my childhood. But Jesus left out some of them. And then he says, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have. Now, this wasn't obviously a blanket to everybody, but it was to this, this particular this rich guy, and rural. Yeah. Go sell everything you have and give it away to the poor. And then you'll have true riches in heaven and then come follow me. But one of the gospels says that Jesus looking at him, loved him and said, so I can see the love of Jesus when he's communicating with him. And the Bible says the man went sorrowful away and Jesus didn't say, oh crap. I screwed that up. Come on, guys, let's go back after him. Yeah. He didn't chase him. He looked at the disciples and said, he made it's easier decision. for a rich for a camel yep. to go through a needle than a rich man into the yep. kingdom of heaven. Lord, who can be saved? Man is impossible with God. All things are possible. Now we've taken that and turned it into a big faith statement, but he's he's talking right there specifically in regards to the work of salvation is an apostle thing, but with God, all things are possible. Yeah. And so, you know, they they've also I think a lot of preachers from really years ago. Because we'll still hear people talk about, you know, people who just preach hellfire and, and damnation. But I'll be honest with you, I've not heard that preaching from anyone in, in decades. And some old school stuff, you can find it. And what happens is people turn their ears off. Yeah. And so, and they don't hear the full message. So you've got two camps there. One is that it's it's always love, 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 love. And they don't have this other aspect about God. And then, you know, and then the other ones is just... Judgment, judgment, wrath, 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 conviction, 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 and there's never any love. And so they, there's a saying that you've probably heard, truth without grace isn't truth, but grace without truth isn't true grace either. Right. Yeah, sorry, I was looking, <laughs> so I okay. had a thought. 
Matthew 15, when Jesus talks about inner purity, mm-hmm. um, I, I actually, I preached a message and I wrote out um, f- to our teenagers and I wrote out like, so Jesus, I got to get it up here where I'm talking to the microphone, but um, he's talking to him and he's saying, he says in, in verse eight that the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Mm. You know, uh, their worship is, is, is fake. Basically <laughs> they teach man-made ideas, commands from God. And so you think about that and like, it pretty it lines up perfectly with what you're saying. You know, if we were to mo- modernize this, and I read this, Matt will remember because he was there. I read this in service, and um, it was actually a prayer service. And I said, if we were to modernize the passage, it would read, people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They go to church, lift their hands, but they have no love for me in their heart. They say that they know me, but they never talk to me. They never read my word. They say that their life is mine, but they make decisions without asking me what I think. They know church, but they don't know me. They know religion, but they don't know me. Yes. I don't I don't have their heart. They choose momentary pleasures over right standing with me. They don't know me. They just know my name. So I think that I think that that's the what we do is we teach people the name of Jesus, but not the character of Jesus. Right. And they never and the, the we we teach people and not not everybody, but you could easily fall into Man, I know the name of Jesus, but I'm I'm not living, I'm not living by the name of Jesus. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You're you're, and, and that's what he says. He says these people, man, their hearts are this. The their Bible hearts says, are far from me. And and I, I don't know if this rabbit trail. I, I think it can correlate what we're talking about. The Bible says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I think we don't even really understand the depth and the power of that name. Of that name, that's just amazing. Yeah. You know. You go through the book of Revelation, which I just um, finishing up the book of Revelation. And again, and I'm just overwhelmed. I'm just marking up all the different places where, goodness, there's pills of thunder around his throne. Angels that he has created and given them eyes all around their head and then wings to cover the eyes that he gave them. Which <laughs> yeah. just ex- if an insane expression of his incredible holiness you know, uh, two feet, two wings, they cover their feet, but two, they fly and they continuously, they'll start crying out, holy, holy, holy. And then the 24 elders, like, what the heck is that? I mean, we yeah. can theorize about it. Sometimes yeah. it was 12 tribes of Israel and then you got the 12 apostles. All right, now, hold on. We don't know about that. That's just, you know, we're adding to. So whatever it is, it's going to fascinate me. I know that. And I love being fascinated by Jesus. But these angels start crying out and it's like, uh-uh, we're in. And then they yeah. all jump in and they start worshiping him. And then all these creatures and I mean, it's just crazy there's he is so majestic and his his like you said his character you know jesus christ is the same yesterday today today and forever forever. his view towards sin is the same but praise god because of the cross we have now this high priest that paid the price yeah so that us in our flawed humanity can run to the mercy seat not the one that was made by the hands of man and put in a temple or put in a ta- tabernacle in a tent yeah. during the days of Moses and later on with uh, in Jerusalem with David and Solomon, but the actual mercy seat where the throne of God himself is. I've got this message on the blood of Christ that I'm going to have to preach at some point in the future. And if I can't find a church to let me come preach it, then I'm just going to do it right here. And uh, it's because it's, it's rich because we don't even understand the depth. I mean, Hebrews can blow and should totally just blow your mind away with what really took place when he went in there, presented his blood. Yep. And the Bible says that his blood speaks better things than that of righteous Abel. Abel's, it said his righteous blood cried out for vengeance, 
but the blood of Jesus says mercy. And anyway, I'm just so I'm on overload now. Now right it's now. like amped up now. Yes, yeah. we're gonna have to do another episode like very very quick. Yep. And now, actually, you're getting set up. So one of the things is that, of course, with this global pandemic, is that Jordan <laughs> is a lot of time. quarantined. And for some reason, Louisiana is not allowed into Texas or Arkansas and all these different places. And I don't know why. I think people are just jealous because of what LSU did. And, yeah. You know, curb stomped everybody. Yeah. And look, we're sorry. It but just I'm happened. over there. I'm over there in Texas, and I'm <laughs> letting everybody know and reminding them every day. That's it. That's a Louisiana girl in Texas. We whooped you. That's it. And, you know, um, but we, uh, you know, we're just have been able to upgrade a few things and grab a few things so that we want our, you know, content to have some good quality. And so we'll have some more stuff coming up. But listen, if you're interested in learning some more about history and the different ways and places, it's, it's only serves to bring to inspire you. Look, I don't want what God did in the 60s and the 70s. I want what God's doing right now. Yep. But I'm grateful. The Bible says that talks about the former and the latter reign together. That means this. Imagine this, guys and gals. Every move of God since the outpouring on the day of Pentecost, and imagine as you go all throughout the history, even in the dark ages, God was still speaking and bringing light. In the middle ages, in the 1600s, in the 1700s, 1800s, God has never stopped moving. Imagine every significant or all the moves of God that we never even heard about because there's no one to record it. Imagine every one of those moves of God converging in our day where God begins to move as mightily as he did in the first great awakening, the second great awakening on the day of Pentecost and all the way through the former and the latter reign together. That means I want what God's doing now. And guess what? I want everything that he's ever done. We want to see it all manifest. There's nothing new under the sun. Yep. Anyway, great days are coming. On their way. They are. Praise God. That's it. So, hey, listen, uh, want to let you know that we have a video up on our furnace page. Jordan is, uh, it's what well, it should be up. By the time you're listening to this, it's going to be on our Facebook page. Go and check it out. Uh, Jordan wrote this, sang it at Fort Smith at our, our, really our last furnace meeting before everything just got shut down in the country. And uh, go go listen to it. It's so powerful. We actually want to get her in the studio. She needs to record this song. And uh, and she needs to create her little Spotify account under Jordan. And he's, so we oh, can all grab this. this. I he's am. doing this I on am. this so that it's I have to gotta do it. It's got to happen. Also, I'm excited <laughs> about this. Y'all, some of you know I have a, a, some of my friends who follow me and know that I have a podcast called Randy in Real Life. But uh, this is something I'm excited about with Burn Sessions because it's I can collaborate with Burning Hearts. But Jordan has also launched another podcast where she interviews people. It's powerful. Jordan, what's the name of that podcast? L10 Sessions. L10 Sessions with Jordan Welch. It's on Spotify and it'll be on iTunes very soon. Yeah, very soon. And I love this because she's she's just she's uh, interviewing people. It's all interviews, right? Just reaching out, calling people. And yeah, I'm calling calling people. Um like my first one was with uh, Keith Webb. He's a biologist, so wow, he's a very smart guy, and he's a believer, like radical believer. So he is a radical. I met, we, oh, he is. We had lunch one time, right? Mm-hmm. Was that man? Yeah, that was beard. That guy. Beard manly guy. guy. Yeah, good. I think Real manly guy. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so go check uh, out her podcast. Subscribe to it, and um, is, are people able to support it? 
Soon. Well, I haven't done that yet. Okay. Soon that'll Me that'll soon. come up. See, he d- says all these things so that I have to do all these things. He does it says it that's in front right. of people or all recorded. That's right. I say it to her privately too. Um, <laughs> listen, we're so grateful, and we really are. We're just we're o- overwhelmed and grateful for all of the support we have. Thank um, you for listening to us. Yes, we have of course some shirts that we've designed. We have more that are that are going to be coming out and being available very soon on our bonfire site. You can find the links to everything on our Facebook page. Also, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so on our Anchor site, which is anchor.fm forward slash burn sessions. That's the name of this podcast, and you can support it right there on our webpage. You can also go to our website, thefurnacemovement.com, and you can support our ministry there as well. We are a baby ministry growing. We believe the Lord's doing something, and by the grace of God, we, along with multitudes of people around this country, speaking specifically about the U.S. and even Canada, North America right now, we, together with so many, are we will, by the grace of God, be a catalyst also. Yep. <laughs> we want to be a part of this. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back real soon with another episode and sharing some more information about our next furnace meeting that's going to come up hopefully soon. soon as this thing lifts. But yeah, we love you guys. Enjoy it. Share it. Subscribe. We'll be back with you soon. Thank you.